Such a mighty God. Such a mighty God. Such a mighty God. One verse of scripture while you're standing. If you have your Bibles, you can turn or follow along on the screen. Galatians uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. This next four lessons will be out of the book of Galatians. Uh, and uh, some great lessons in here that Paul teaches to the church. Very uh, relevant for us today. Relevant for us today. Galatians 1 and 8, Paul makes this statement. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have already preached unto you, let him be accursed. Very strong statement from Paul, the apostle, the founder of this church. He was taking some time to help his church, to correct the church, to instruct the church. And just though we, you think how people looked up to Paul and those guys in that day, the pillars of the church and he said as much as you look up to us and even if you were to see something miraculous as an angel descend from heaven and begin to preach anything different then let it be cursed because there's only one gospel and that's what we're going to talk about today the only gospel the only gospel let's lift our hands and pray today Lord we love you today and thank you for your goodness and mercy we thank you today Lord for that life saving life changing word the gospel of Jesus Christ Lord help us to hear your word receive it in our hearts today in good ground we ask it in Jesus name and everyone said amen give the Lord a hand clap of praise today hallelujah what a great God what a great God what a great God you can be seated this morning thank you for being in the house of the Lord the name of this series is standing in liberty and that is from uh, one of the passages that Paul wrote, uh, I believe it's the first verse of chapter 5, that we stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made us free. And so we need, do need to stand in the liberty. And, but this is going to deal, it's not just, you know, you can, the only gospel, it's not just in defense of the gospel, which we do know the gospel is, we need to stand for it, earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. We we need to stand for the gospel, for the things of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this is not just in defense of, of that as far as our doctrine is concerned. It's, it has to deal with people trying to change the doctrines and adding or taking away from the doctrines. And uh, Paul was addressing something in the church of Galatia that uh, they were being troubled. Some of the Jewish Christians of that time were beginning to trouble uh, as he said it, the, some of the Gentile converts now, uh, in trying to add portions of the law, that they could not be saved without certain things from the law. But in this idea, it's, uh, it says in our lesson that because in the flesh no one can live up to the high standards of the Old Testament law, we must stand in the liberty and grace of the gospel. That's uh, Paul knew that that uh, it's impossible for the flesh to live up to uh, the things of the law. You know, he said, if you're going to live by the law, then you are in a debtor to do everything that the law requires. And, and 
Israel proved that they would fail in that aspect over and over again. And since in the flesh we can't do that, we must make sure now with this gospel, this grace and mercy that God has given us through the gospel of Jesus Christ and faith in Him, we must make sure that anybody, all others are given the opportunity to obey the only gospel that saves. We will not and cannot be saved by the law as scripture. It doesn't justify us or save us. Uh, it does not mean that the, gospel, that the law was bad. It was a the scripture says it was a schoolmaster to teach us things, bring us to this only saving gospel of Jesus Christ. In the, in the law were shadows of, uh, not the very image, but the shadow of things that were to come. And so uh, Paul immediately in this letter, in the very first opening, and you know, what we read is eight verses. In the, in the eighth verse, he's already addressing there is no other gospel than the one that we proclaimed to you already. But there is, uh, in the book of Galatians, there is an incident recorded between the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter. Peter and some of the other Jews were in Antioch and were sitting at a meal, eating, enjoying a dinner with some Gentile converts. And then some of the high Jewish leaders walked in and when they did, Peter uh, got up and left. Just, just try to picture it in your head. He just excused himself from all these Gentiles and, and just left and went and sat with all the Jewish people because he was afraid of what these Jewish people would say to him or about him or that they would come against him. And so how confusing that must have been to these new converts that he was trying to mentor. He was talking to them, fellowshipping with them, and and explaining things to him. But as soon as the, the circumcision, what it said, walked in, he got up and, and went and began to hang out with them and, and do like they did and would not speak to them or have anything to do with them. I'm sure that it was very tense in that room, to say the least, and, and probably could have been a, a very bad situation, a, a real hiccup for the church at the beginning uh, Paul walks in and, and sees what's going on, and he uh, confronts Peter. And sometimes maybe in our mind we think, well, Paul went and, and, and just laid it to him and, and put his finger in his chest and told him, I don't believe Paul did it like that at all. Uh, Paul knows that, that that's not the kind of stuff that works, that uh, if this situation is not handled carefully because of uh, both of these two great leaders, a great divide could start right here in the very beginning of the church. He does confront Peter, and in doing this, he helps everyone in the room to understand that the church of Jesus Christ was for everybody, Jew and Gentile, that there is just one gospel, for, and it's for everybody. The Bible tells us that there's one gospel for all, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation of all that believe, to the Jew and to the Greek. doesn't matter. In Christ, circumcision, uncircumcision doesn't mean nothing but a new creature. He said it's all about one. The Bible says that the Lord made one blood of all nations and that we've been baptized into one body by one spirit. That means there is only one gospel. 
and the gospel that saved the Jews and that came to them and as they received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost was the same gospel that was preached to the Gentiles in Cornelius' house when Peter preached and the Holy Ghost fell on them and the Jewish people were amazed and said God has granted them repentance and because we've seen the Holy Ghost fall on them just like it did on us in the beginning. And so that one gospel is the only gospel and that is the gospel they should have stuck with. But, but by Peter getting up and, and separating himself, he was uh, sending the message that there is a difference between Jew and Gentile in the body and there's not. There is no difference. Uh, and that's why I love, I love that scripture in Revelation where John says, and I saw a, a, a number that no man could number, all kindreds and tongues, nations, and they were all, you know what they all had on? They all had on white robes. And they all had on the palm leaves in their hand. They all were, yeah, they were from every different nation, but they were clothed. Those robes of righteousness were all the same. It wasn't different for, for a Jew or a Gentile. It was all the same because the blood of Jesus washes us all white as snow. It, it cleanses our garments and, and gets rid of those filthy rags and, and we, we become one in him. There's only one. And so you, you don't say, well, uh, we're going to hand out robes according to your nationality or, or to how you believed or what you obeyed. We're all going to get that robe. Paul said, there's a crown laid up for me and not me only. Everybody getting these crowns. It's not going to be like, well, you got a big old crown. You got to, well, you're wearing a tiara. What is that? You know, is it? No, God's going to give us these crowns to wear it and, 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 uh, for all that love his appearing. But we've got to understand that uh, there's only one gospel, and the gospel that saved you and I is the gospel that will save anybody else. And so we don't start changing the gospel as new people come in and act like, hey, you know, yeah, well, that, that's, that's the way we did it 20 years ago, but this is a new day. And so, yeah, you still believe in Jesus, but now you've got to do this or do that, or we've got to add some things to this or take some things away. Uh, you can't. There's only one gospel, and it's got to be preached the way it was preached in the beginning. That's why we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. The gospel first. I always fall back to that. The gospel first. Jesus said, preach repentance and remission of sins in my name, beginning at Jerusalem. Man, when you read Peter's message, it is very simplistic. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's repentance, remission of sins, in the name of Jesus Christ, in his name. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That message right there is the gospel. That's what we preach to people. And, and there are a lot of principles and things in Scripture that we must adhere to and believe in. But those things come with growth. Those things come with maturity. Just like with a, a newborn baby, it does not come out of the womb walking and talking. But we want it to walk and talk. But that will come in time. We we all, we're, and when we know they can't talk, we're going, Mama, Mama, Dada, Dada. You know that baby can't talk yet. It's just, it can't hardly smile yet. But you're trying because you want it to learn how to talk so bad. And hey, you, but you, you know what? We don't even get frustrated with them. We just love it. It's just awesome. If we would treat new converts the way we treat new babies, 
You know, we never, you know, when our, we try to teach our kids to walk and they, they stand up and they, you know, we're, well, oh, and we're just taking pictures and videos. It's just so, look at them, just bending. Oh, they look like one of them things at a car dealership. Look at them. They just, you know, we're just enjoying every aspect of them trying to grow. And then if they fall, we're like, I can't believe you can't walk yet. You're three months old. But if we would treat every new convert like, and love them and have the same patience and long-suffering with new converts as we would with our own newborn babies. Oh, you know, you know your kid's going to learn how to walk and how to run because you're going to be patient and teach them. And, and, man, before long, they'll be quick. Man, they'll be running. You'll be, you'll be like, oh, I wish I hadn't taught them to walk because you're chasing them so much. But they'll be able to run, walk, talk, throw, hit, do all the things that you teach them because you took time and you were patient with them. And so many times we're just stunting the growth of new converts, expecting them to be able to do things that they're just not able to do yet. Let them be. You know, we always say of our kids, you look at your old pictures, oh, if I could have them like that one more day. Oh, if I could just have them young and hold them and just nurture them and love them one more day. We'd love, love, just love it, just love it. So, because they were, we loved that state that they were in. Well, just love them while they're learning, these new converts. When, when they come in and they, they don't look like everybody, and they, they don't, they, they, boy, they're, they're, that shout is a little different than that, that, that you know, because you, you learn, you'll you start grafting into that little Pentecostal shuffle and stuff like that. You, you go to a camp meeting, you see, Everybody's pretty much, at one time or another, they're going to all hit the same little jump and little. But, but you get somebody brand new, and they're going to throw their hands in the air and wave them like they just don't care. Oh, like my wife said, head banging. Oh, yeah, when, when, I was in, when they let me get in the choir, <laughs> I didn't know nothing about uh, shouting. You know what? I, this, I was old metalhead, and so I'd just be in the choir like, <laughs> yeah, "Hey, it's on, it's on video. It's on VHS tape. It's on video," and that's all I, that's all I knew how to do, man. Just, but I, I couldn't stand still. When I heard back in the day, when I'd be somewhere, and I heard music. So just thankfully, I didn't just throw my hands up like this, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I think the Holy Ghost stopped me a little bit right there. I said, just don't put them hands up. You'll be all right. You know, so, uh, but, you know, just knew. And you know what? It was, yeah, it was entertaining for some. But those people just loved me and said, well, you know, he'll learn. We love him. He's learning to walk. He's learning to, he's growing. He's maturing. He'll get there. And uh, I'm still growing and maturing. That's all right. I, I don't think I'll ever learn it all uh, in the Lord. I, uh, I've said this one time when my, my pastor, who had been pastoring over 40 years, sitting behind me, and he, he thought it was really humorous, but I said, you know, we're all still a little green in some areas, and he just thought that was so funny. Uh, you know, and I said, and I didn't really mean it, but I, I threw my hand back like that. I said, it don't matter if you've been, you know, if you're 80 years old or something like that, and he, he said something afterwards. He said, you notice how when he said 80, he pointed at me. I didn't, I wasn't thinking about that really, but, uh, but really, God's growing us, maturing us, and and there's a gospel to preach, a very effective gospel. Power of God unto salvation. Whew. Whew. Man, if we could just be students of the gospel. 
I know we study end times, we study prophecy, and we study deep things, and it's in there. The Spirit searches deep things. But oh, that, that wonderful opening gospel message, the simplicity of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the blood that washes whiter than snow. A love for this world, no matter who we were, that would just love us, and no matter how far away we were, we are drawn brought close by the blood of Jesus. And, and man, it's just that, that, it, that blood just never loses its power to, to pull us closer to him. And, and hey, it's, it's more than one application. Man, I plead the blood every day. Lord, the blood over me, Lord. Let, let the blood of Jesus bring me closer uh, to you every day and, and help me, God, to uh, remember that the next one that comes in is in no worse shape than I was. And if it was that gospel that got me, it'll be that, that gospel that gets them. And help me not to start adding things on to it uh, to, to try to perfect them, but let, let them grow. You don't, you know, uh, eventually your kid may wear a size 11 shoe, but you're not going to give him your size 11 shoes when he's a year old to try to walk around in. He'll fall, trip, break his neck. Can't do it. Just because it don't fit yet. It's just not there yet. So give them the shoes that fit and let them walk by faith and let them grow. Let them learn how to, let them get stronger. Let them learn how to talk. You know, they, if they don't know how to quote every scripture in the Bible yet, it don't mean they're not born again. Quoting scripture is not part of being born again. To be born again, you have to be born of the water and of the spirit. That's, and then you'll learn to quote scripture. You'll learn to study the word. You'll learn how to pray better. You'll learn how to fast. You'll learn about you know, modesty and moderation. You'll learn about those things in holiness inside and out. You'll learn about those things as you grow in relationship with the Lord. That's why the scripture said, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you grow in grace, you're always learning. Because the Bible says the grace of God that bringeth salvation, which is the gospel, the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. So it's always teaching. So when I grow in grace and knowledge of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I'm always learning about him, learning how to be more like him. And that's what we want people to do, to grow in grace and knowledge of the Savior without trying to tack on Anything else to the born-again message. They need to learn those things. To be, we want people to be born again. Because guess what? They can be born again and not have every single little thing down. And they're going to go when the Lord comes back. They're going to. I am for people moving toward perfection. I believe it. I believe that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints that we would all come into the unity of the faith. I believe that. But I do believe that people can be perfect in stages. I've taught this many times. You can have a child that is perfect, perfectly healthy, right where they need to be for their age. You could have an adolescent perfect for who they are right now at their age, an adult perfect for who they are right now at their age, and they're still growing but they're perfect at the stage. And so as long as they are not refusing to grow, refusing to mature, refusing to change, you know, as long as it's just not an obstinate, stubborn, I'm not going to do, you know, then 
Let them learn. Let them grow. Teach them. Show them. You know, we have no problem showing people things. That, hey, you see somebody doing something wrong? Hey, let me show you a little better way to do that. It's like, hey, we, if you ever coached kids or, or you played ball with somebody, you see them standing. As soon as they walk in the batter's box, you're like, you know why you keep striking out? Come here. And you're you drawing lines in the dirt now. Put your hands right here, lift them like this, put your elbow, you know, and next day, you know, dink, and they're like, oh, glad to help. Oh, if we had the same attitude, you know, if we had that same attitude, then just instruct them, not, not, hey, hey, quit being stupid, quit being dumb, quit, you know, uh, that don't teach nobody nothing. Listen, hey, let me show you this, right here. Turn right here. Look right here. Read right here. You know, pray about this. You know, just teach them. Show them. Mentor them. Because hey, people say, I, you know what? People come to church. I don't know how to pray. How do you pray? I don't know how to pray. What do I say when I pray? They just sit there. That's why they sit there with their mouth closed and quiet. They don't know how to pray yet. You know, you got to instruct them. Teach them. What's fasting? Well, you got to teach them. And they don't, well, I don't know what's like that. Fasting. I love onion rings. I ain't fasting. What do you mean? <laughs> So, it's, you know, people, you got to just instruct them. Say, well, look, every once in a while you do without things, you, you tell them why. You show them, you know, just, just say, hey, are you fasting? Well, I just got here last week. I haven't heard that term yet. I don't know. Well, if you're not, you, must, you ain't going to heaven. Not in the Bible. Not even in the Scripture. Not even there. But, oh, it's, it, it, it's, you know, it gets important. It's a, a, we realize the importance. We realize the benefit of it. And we want people to understand that. But you can't make, you know, you can't make a child understand grown-up things. That's why the Scripture says there's some that, oh, they're like kids. They need that sincere milk of the Word of God. Because they're, they're not able, they're not ready for strong meat yet. They're not ready to quit trying to shove a steak down a newborn's throat. It won't work. They can't chew. They ain't got no teeth yet. They can't do nothing with it. Choke them to death. Kill them. They're not going to get the flavor out of it. They're not going to understand and enjoy it like you can. And it's the same way coming into the church. This gospel, it's the power. It's not, it's not you or I that's preaching it that's the power. The gospel is the power. Yeah, come on. It's, man, the word is powerful and sharp. It's the word. It's a, it's so, you know, we need to preach it and, and just like they did. Just, you know, Peter didn't say, boy, I got a little while while I'm sitting in this upper room. I'm going to work on my message before this day fully comes. He, no, he's just doing what Jesus said to do, just go and tarry. So he's just waiting. He gets filled with the Holy Ghost like everybody else. And then he preaches his message. And when they want to know what to do, oh, man, I got a book. You just hold on. No, he said, Repent. Hey, who said, Peter, who said to preach repentance? Jesus did. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. Preach repentance and remission of sins. That's why nobody tugged his coattails and said, hey, hey, I don't think that's what the Lord said. They knew they were backing him up because that's exactly what he said. They didn't know what it was. It was the first message preached on it since Jesus said to do it. And so they got the model right there. And the way you know it was right is because Peter stood up under the power of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just him standing up. He was full of the Spirit, and the Spirit will lead you in all truth. And so he preached the gospel message. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. 
Oh, that's what we need. People, we need repentance, a revival of repentance in the land. And we, we need people to, to be baptized in Jesus' name. We, we need to start emphasizing how important it is to be born of the water because Jesus said we must be born of water and of the Spirit. We need to make sure people understand that. He that believeth, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. What's, what's next? He that believeth, believes what? Believes the gospel you preach, okay. They believe, and then what? I, he that believes the gospel and is baptized shall be saved. It's, it's, the, it's the remission of sins. Got to have sins of the past remitted. God can forgive you. Uh, your repentance is more than, than just crying. It's more than asking forgiveness. Repentance is a change of life. It's a turnaround. But the sins of the past must be dealt with. And they're only dealt with. There is no uh, remission without the shedding of blood. His blood was shed. The blood must be applied well, the remission of sins and it's applied to our life when we're baptized in his name. We're buried with him in baptism. That's what happens. That's the gospel. And now, man, we get to watch. He says, then you're raised up to walk in newness of life, just like a newborn baby. And it's, oh, the wonderful newness of life. We've seen little babies born lately, friends of ours, people in our church. We've got babies coming and we're going to be enjoying every moment of these newborn babies. We're going to watch their first steps toward the altar. We're going to watch them get down beside their mom and daddy and pray one day. And we'll be like, how sweet this is. The pictures will be all over our Facebook. It'll be, and we're just going to eat them up as they're growing. And they don't know nothing except what they see. But they're growing. And new converts, they don't know nothing but what they see. You know, they're, they're trying to learn. Some of them come in. They don't, you know how many people don't have Bibles anymore? They don't even have a Bible. And, uh, you know, so you, you can't expect they come in. Know, well, you know the Bible says. No, I don't because I've never read it. People can be born again and have never read the Bible cover to cover. Yeah. Yeah. I might could have quoted one, two scriptures when I came to the Lord. And that would have been John 3, 16, and Jesus wept. I mean, really. I, I was a Bible illiterate. I believed in God. I believed he was coming back one day, scared to death that he would. But then I heard the gospel. Really heard it preached. And then I obeyed the gospel. And then I began to grow. I didn't get up and go preaching the next day. I didn't start evangelizing that week. I didn't start my own ministry on my own webpage, nothing like that. I had to grow. I had to learn. Did a lot of growing and learning, cleaning the church and cutting grass around the church and hauling off limbs around the church, hanging out with people who had been there, learning about a life lived by the gospel. Wow. I got a long way to go. I ain't even got started. But it's the gospel. And there's only one. This world make you believe there's more than that. When you understand this confrontation we talked about between Paul and Peter, and you understand their backgrounds, uh, it'll help you understand why there was not an immediate rift in the church. You know, Peter kind of used to being rebuked. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything new. He'd probably had a little good little spell since the Lord had left, <laughs> but uh, kind of familiar for him to, 
do something that would get a little, hey, Peter, a little talking to. Uh, and so, but the thing is, is he had the right spirit. Paul had the right spirit. Yeah. And Peter had the right spirit. You gotta be a, there's got to be a right spirit in the way you address things like that, and there's got to be a right spirit in the way you receive it. Paul, he had an advantage because Paul was a master student of the law. And so he understood how wrong it was for Jewish members of the church to try and employ old law traditions on the Gentiles because he had been saved from that. And so he knew uh, this is not the way to do it. And when he saw what Peter had done, uh, Paul saw that error, rightly confronted Peter, and he used this situation. He said, this is what happens when people fall away from the truth of the gospel because what Peter did was outside of the lines of the gospel to act like there was a division between Jew and Gentile in the body. There's no uh, division or, or schism in the body. It, the Lord has grafted us in and we're, we're and baptized us into one body by one flesh. There's no divisions. There's no uh, the right side is the Jewish side, the left side is the Gentile side. We're one body, just mingled in together, one by one blood. And so uh, we've become that one in the gospel. And what was happening was they were portraying a different gospel than Jesus intended. And Paul knew that it was a different message than what he was preaching and even a different message than what Peter had witnessed himself. But he got it all comes down uh, sometimes to when you're addressing these kind of issues and what Paul was about to address was that are you uh, pleasing the Lord? Or are you trying to please men? We don't want to, to, to do uh, be men pleasers and do the things that we're doing as being pleasing unto men. Paul questioned uh, uh, Peter and confronted Peter in this situation and the reason he is bringing this instance up in the book of Galatians is because this was what was happening at the church of Galatia. That there were certain Jews now trying to impose uh, Mosaic law, things from the law, on new converts, saying that they could not be saved unless they would follow the law. Even though they had been born again, born of water, born of the Spirit, they were full of the Holy Ghost, you know, just like they had been on the day of Pentecost, but they were saying without this, these aspects of the law, they could not be saved. And it amazed Paul, and he said this uh, in the very beginning of the letter, in verse 6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached, uh, let him be accursed, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. And so, you know, it's just a reminder of what the book of Revelation says. Do not add to or take away from the words of this book. You cannot add to the gospel you, and, and make it something better or take away from it to make it any better. You cannot add to it to fit one group of people or take away from it to fit another group. It's got to be the gospel the way that it was preached in the beginning. 
in this life today, contemporary Christianity is full of different versions of the gospel. They usually stem from uh, someone trying to appeal to fleshly desires for material things or trying to uh, justify some kind of alternative lifestyle, uh, you know, and trying to get people to compromise on the truth of the gospel. But uh, we can't do that. We can't try to adjust it to fit people, and we can't add anything else to the gospel to say you're not saved yet. Uh, I've been, well, I was baptized in Jesus' name. I repent of my sins. I'm living the best I can. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, that's all, they, that's all they know. That's all they know. You can't say, well, boy, you better hurry up. You're not going to be saved if you don't get to my level. You know, yeah, you, you, everybody would love to, you, know, you will see people, like I said, I love seeing people move toward perfection. Even Paul said, uh, I, you know, I'm not perfect, or I'm not trying to say I'm perfect yet, I, I haven't, but, but to where I have attained, that's what I'm holding on to where I'm at. I'm not going backwards. I'm going to stay right here where I'm at, but I'm going to keep reaching forward. And so that's what we want people to do. Wherever you are, praise God, don't stop, don't settle, keep moving forward. Don't move back. Backwards is not an option. Uh, never. Backwards is not an option. You don't back up anywhere. If you fall down, you always fall forward. Anybody, any child of God that falls, falls forward because God wants them to get up and keep going. You don't fall backwards and you, you fall forward so you can get up and keep moving forward and that's what uh, we want to see people do. But as humans, here's the problem, is that we, we are easily impressed with people. Come on, tell me we are. Uh, yeah, there's people. Are you, you tell me there's not anybody that you're impressed by? Sure, there's people. People that you see that leaders or uh, you know that you're impressed by. And, uh, it could be their personality, their education, wealth, their public status. Anything it impresses us, and that can intimidate people and cause them to give room for ideas that are contrary to the real gospel because we're afraid of offending people we are impressed by. Well, okay, uh, let's say, uh, you know, President of the United States calls me up and says, you know what, I think I might just start coming to your church. I'm going to show up on Sunday and see if I like what I hear when you preach. And if I know that I'm about to preach a message that would probably contradict some of the things he's doing, and I change it just because he's going to be here, I water it down, sugar it up, make it real nice, tell everybody, everybody calm today. I don't want nobody rolling the floor. I don't want nobody jumping those chairs and knocking stuff over. I want everybody to be stand up straight. I want you to dress nice. If I just start changing everything for this guy, because, boy, I really wish he would come here, because, boy, that would put us on the map. The president of the United States goes to that church. There'd be news vans outside our church all the time, and boy, we'd probably have money flowing in. And You can just start, see what I'm saying? You can start changing things uh, for people, but we are not here to do things just for material gain as a benefit of serving the Lord. We are here to preach the gospel. You know, that's what happens a lot of times. These mega churches a lot of times spring up. They're preaching that prosperity gospel that, hey, if you serve the Lord, you should be rich. That's not Bible. 
But, you know, it's, uh, if God blesses you with money, praise God. But, you know, he, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And I should not be, you know, just because you see somebody with a lot of money doesn't mean that God has blessed them. They can get, I man, there's a lot of people that don't even believe in God that got more money than you and I can fathom. And they don't even believe in God. So um, it's not about that. That's not a, a real gospel. And, and a lot of people think, well, if I'm not, you know, and they don't even realize they're doing it themselves. Instead of working 40 hours a week, they're working 70 hours. Again, they're getting a lot more money. And they wow, the Lord's blessing me. Is he? Because you're so tired, you can't even get up and go to church on Sunday. <laughs> you're so tired, you can't even play with your kids or talk to your spouse. You're so, you know, you're, you're just, you wore out and ill and cranky all the time. And you don't talk to nobody about the Lord. All you do is chicken, 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 just clocking in, clocking out, clocking in, clocking out. Oh, God's blessing me. Mm. I'm not sure that's uh, the gospel. But I, I, I got I to make sure the pastor sees that big old tie check I lay in there or something. That way he'll know God's blessing me. It's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. So uh, we need to decide who are we seeking to please. Paul had written to another church in the uh, Colossians. Uh, he said that whatever we do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. In the 10th verse of this first chapter, he says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So Paul understood how peer pressure or intimidation could factor into the human condition and cause people to compromise. But by deciding uh, that he sought to please God over men, he was proclaiming the mindset uh, that the Galatians, the, that church there, needed to have so that they could avoid compromising the gospel. When you make up your mind, I'm just going to... It's just like what uh, Joshua what was in Joshua 24 and 15. Choose this day who you'll serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what he said. It's a, the same words echoing out of Paul's message. And when you make your mind up to serve God, you won't compromise on the gospel. And, and, and you won't try to just ple do things to please people. And there's nothing wrong let me say this, with pleasing people in itself. You, you, I mean, you don't want to be an unpleasant person. There's a lot of people that preach they are very unpleasant. It's a fact. There's a lot of people who say, man, I'm born again. And they're just not pleasant people. They're just not. There's nothing wrong, you know, you like people to like what you're saying. But if it's the gospel, it doesn't really matter if they like it or not. If it's actually the scripture and you're preaching it the way it's supposed to be preached and it just hits them, they're like, hmm, that just really messes. You know, conviction is not a pleasant thing. It's needful, it's not pleasant. And sometimes people feel conviction and they're like, oh, I don't, mm, I'm not going back there because, hey, why, why, what happened? Well, that preacher was, well, everything he said was just mm, making me squirm in my seat. Conviction. Some, some people say that's him getting on your toes. And, uh, you know, well, he's not just trying to be unpleasant. He's just preaching the gospel. Listen, serving, we're, we're, we're servants. We serve the Lord. But we're servants to each other. Yeah, we serve each other. But serving people does not equate to pleasing people. It's not the same. It's not equal to it. It's not always the same. 
Hey, you ever serve your kids something they didn't like to eat? But they's going to eat it. You got, oh, oh, I love that. Oh, oh, we're having fried chicken. Oh, I love fried chicken. Here, we're going to have some Brussels sprouts with it. Well, you're going you're gonna to eat them. You love your kid? Sure, I do. Why'd you serve him something he didn't like? Because he needs it. Maybe it's beets. Come on, man. Beets. Beets are good. But, but, but you know that there's vitamins, things that need, or green beans, broccoli, whatever it is. Something that kids, some kids, they don't want nothing green. It's got to be a French fry or a chicken nugget. They don't want it. But somehow they got to have an apple or something, man. They got to have something. And so uh, you're serving it. But are they always pleased with what's being served? No, they're not. But you understand they need it. And you hope one day they'll realize you need to eat something else besides fast food and ice cream and cake. But but here's what what compromising people, pleasing people are like. They're like, you know what? I know how to make them like Brussels sprouts. Let's put it in ice cream. Not only, this is what happened, you just ruined Brussels sprouts and ice cream. And now what you were looking for is to his dessert is ruined. And now the Brussels sprouts are worse. Uh, I, but I can't say worse. To me, I love Brussels sprouts. But, uh, but for the kid that didn't want them, now he's got uh, Brussels sprouts all blended up in ice cream. Come on, or beets in, in your you know, Rocky Road ice cream. You know, think about that, how, what, what that would even look like. But, but see, that's what happens when you water down the gospel or you try to add things to the gospel or take away things from the gospel to please people. You, what you've done is provided something that's not good. Either way, it's served. It won't, it, it, you, because let me tell you, whatever vitamins was in them beets is gone if you blended it up in that, that Ice cream, it's just gone. It, it, you diluted it, it's, it's no good, it's not, they're not going to get it. Because they're, they're probably going to throw it up anyway. If they eat it, they're not going to be able to contain it, retain it. It's not going to stay with them. And, uh, and so anything that they could have, any value they could have extracted from that, you know what it might do? might give them a little sugar high just because it's the ice cream, but that'll wear off. And that's what happens to that blended gospel. Is it, so give them a little sugar high wears off. It don't, it's, it don't stand. It don't stick with them. It don't give them a sustainable form uh, of energy to hold on to. Man, it's already 11.45. What happened? Um, so, uh, but we, that's, that's what we, we've got to do. We've got to just preach the gospel like it is and not try to, 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 to add things to the new birth message. Let Those things will come after all said we'll be raised to walk in newness of life. So those th- that new life comes after the new birth. We walk it. We, this thing's, we picked up, you know, I, whoever's playing for me this morning, you can go ahead and come on to the music. Um, I know I've got to stop. Didn't even get off the first page here. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll just keep going as we can. Uh, I'm not going to finish this message today, though. Listen, our job, stand with me this morning. Our job is to love people. The Bible says, owe no man anything but to love one another. That's Bible. Pay your debt. Pay your bill. You know what? You don't pay your bill. They cut your power off, cut your cable off, cut your phone off. 
get your paycheck. If you don't, you know, they'll, they'll garnish your wages. They, they take action against you if you don't pay your bill. I wonder what God's going to do about all the folks that still owe love. That's our job is to love people. And you'll never express a higher form of love to people than preaching the gospel to them and helping them to walk and grow in the Lord. We're supposed to love them and not expect them to change for us. They're not supposed to change for us. They are supposed to fall in love with Jesus and then be changed by Him. And if they really fall in love with Jesus, they will begin to change. If you want to try to tell me you don't, you don't change a little bit for people you love, that ain't true. You do. Especially when you get, you get married, you change things. You have to. It's, you, you got to because now two have become one. There's got to be some change in that so that you can actually be one. And when you love people, you know, if, if you know there's something that, well, I love them so much and I know they love me, but I know they can't stand the fact that I do this. You know, you're going to, you'll change. You say, well, I, you should just love me like I am. They do love you like you are. And guess what? The Lord loves you like you are too. But what's he want to see happen? He wants to see change. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. That don't just happen. The person plays a part. The Bible says for us that we should cleanse ourselves. Now, this is grown up. This is grown up stuff in the, in the gospel. Because when they're babies, we, we help bathe them. And as long as we, we try to teach them how to, how to bathe. They think just going and stepping in the tub and getting out is bathing. It ain't. They think swimming is bathing. It, it ain't. But when they get a little old, they learn. Get a soap, get a rag, wash your hair, clean. You know, they learn. The Bible tells us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Yeah. It tells us to try to perfect holiness in the, in the fear of God. You know? so, so that's growing. That's what they do. They start going. They, they don't know that right away. They forget to wash behind their ears. New converts, man. That's just how it is. Did you take a bath? Well, I got in the water. Okay. You know, they're learning. They're growing. And so our job is to love them and love them so much. Let them see how much we love God. Just be an example. Let them fall in love with him. Let them grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't change the gospel because there's only one gospel. And I, you, nobody can add anything to, to it to perfect it. And you can't extract nothing from it, make it better. It's perfect just like it is. Right, amen. 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 Let's lift our hands and just pray and thank the Lord for the gospel. Lord, we love you this morning. So thankful for the gospel, for the message that changed our lives, that saved us. And I'm so thankful that it's to every one of us, to the, to the Jew, to the Gentile. doesn't matter where we're from, what language we speak, Lord, or what we've done. It's the same gospel that saves us all. So help us, Lord, to be teachers of the gospels. Help us to be mentors in the gospel, to be examples in the gospel. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. What a great God. Great God. Appreciate the Lord so much today. He's a great God. Hey, let's find a place and pray before the next service. It's going to be a great service in Jesus' name. God bless you.